Hi there, listeners. It's Farnoosh. And I just want to say I'm really honored that you've chosen to subscribe to So Money. I know there are a lot of podcasts out there. The fact that you're here is not lost on me. Now, if you're enjoying these episodes and you're benefiting from the advice and you want more, I've actually created something really special for us. It's called the So Money Members Club. It's an online platform where you can connect more closely with me and engage with fellow So Money fans who want to become more empowered in their financial lives. The website is So Money members.com. And when you go there, you'll learn all the benefits, including exclusive monthly finance workshops, private group calls with me. You get your questions answered in our member community. I'm often in there weighing in, and you get instant access to all of our workshop recordings. We have a robust library that's growing so far. We've had workshops on investing in real estate, kids and money, and how to earn more in 2024. And most of all, it's fun, positive, encouraging, all the things personal finance should be. Go to somoneymembers.com and I hope you'll join us. I'm limiting enrollment and doors will close soon. Check out somoneymembers.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hosting the So Money podcast for almost 10 years, I've been learning a lot about how to best serve you outside the show. I've begun to offer pop-up workshops and a So Money members club. And with each new line of business, a lot goes on behind every transaction. Stripe helps simplify and ease payments with tap to pay on iPhone, which helps me grow revenue and reach through accepting more in-person contactless payments when I'm out in real life promoting my programs. Tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe give me the ability to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup and no additional hardware required. And it's not just ideal for me. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe help businesses of all sizes accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. Whether your customers want to use their card, Apple Pay, or other digital wallet, now you can accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So Money Episode 1602, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi, December 8th, 2023. I think I'm coming down with a little something. I went to ride the Polar Express this week with my kids, which if you've never been, it is a performance on an actual train. It leaves from Whippany, New Jersey, and it just kind of like goes a mile one way and a mile back. But in the train is where the magic happens. There's a whole performance, a lot of reenactments from the movie and the book. There's hot chocolate, there's cookies, there's dancing. Santa Claus makes an appearance. Lots and lots of fun, but also, mind you, a caboose full of 
young kids who are probably some of them sick. And I caught something immediately. I felt it immediately. Are you like, I'm like that person where like, I know immediately when the sickness gets contracted. And so now you're hearing me the following morning and um, my voice is a little scratchy. I've been doing a lot of media also this week for A Healthy State of Panic, which I'm very uh, grateful for. A lot of media outlets reaching out to me. So what happens when you do a lot of outreach for yourself in beginning in August through October, now the media is coming to me. I did an interview with NPR, did an interview with Marketplace, some more podcasts. I'm going to do my best to make it through this podcast episode without a coughing fit. I really can't wait for this episode either because we've got Georgia Lee Hussey on standby. She's the co-creator of Modernist Financial, a certified financial planner. She likes to come on and I like to have her come on from time to time and help me navigate your money questions, which this week is about how to break up with a financial advisor and what are the technical things you want to be mindful of in that transition back to managing your own money, your investments, things like that. Like what happens to your investments? Also some home ownership related questions. One person wants to know about refinancing right now in the aftermath of a divorce and whether to take on a HELOC to do a home renovation. Before all that, let's review this week's episodes in case you missed Wednesday's show with Eli Rallo, who's the author of the forthcoming book this month called, I didn't know I needed this. Eli is 25 years old, a TikTok sensation and has really become a go-to expert mentor champion for her generation, particularly around relationship, wellness, mental health. We talked a little bit about her foray into making more money and having her career take off. How is that impacting her financial life and the questions that she has for her finances now? The work ethic that was instilled in her as a teen. Then on Monday, a very important episode, I sat down with Danielle Weisberg, who's co-founder of The Skim, to talk about the current childcare crisis in America and how we you and I, because it seems it's always falling on our laps, we can negotiate family benefits at work, but also how companies too can show up better for their employees and their workers when it comes to creating the benefits and the allowances. With just a few weeks left till the end of the month, you like me might be ready to just kick back, put on some socks and get Elf on the TV on replay. But I will say I was presenting this week at a a workshop, a financial workshop virtual for the real estate firm Sirhand. And my friend Kyle Scott is the president of Sirhand and he was on the phone and he was on the call and he offered us some invigorating advice that I want to share with us now. And he said, look, let's think of December as the first month of 2024. And not to say to treat it like January, because we know January is very hectic, but Imagine if this month, while everything's kind of on the quieter side, you began putting together a few things for your new year success, just to give yourself even just a mild running start. And so I thought about it, you know, I, I've kind of been doing this and I haven't been giving myself the proper credit. And I wanted to share my checklist of what I've been working on this month. Uh, and I haven't been sacrificing sleep or trips or anything like that. It's just thinking about the small steps that I can be taking right now that will pay off big time in not just January, but the rest of the year. Maybe this will inspire you. So the first one is I've decided on one new revenue stream. You know, for years I've been kind of 
working with the revenue streams that I've built over the 15 years of running my business. And of course, every year looks a little bit different. Maybe one revenue stream is more powerful than another, but it's all been very much like when I categorize my income, like I haven't added a new category in years. And this one new category that I've decided to take on in the new year is digital workshops. I'm going to be introducing some exciting online offerings in the new year. Not a course, of course, if you've read my book, you know why, but These are going to be instead engaging online tutorials that will go deeper into topics that you tell me you care about. And I know what you care about because you've been filling out my survey. I've got the link for that in the show notes, but I have this survey going out to get from you some information like, what do you want to learn from me in 2024? Five of those people who fill out the form are going to get a free signed copy of A Healthy State of Panic. And I'm going to run this survey for a couple more days, a few more days, and then I'm going to close it and get those books out in time for the holidays. So that's one thing, one new additional revenue stream. I think we can all do this, even if you have a nine to five, is there something that you can do that's not necessarily requiring 10, 20 hours a week, but one additional revenue stream. Maybe it's not consistent at first, but you experiment, you try something. This money can help you pay down debt. It can help you travel more in the new year. Decide what you want it to represent and stand for. Another thing I've done, and I'm so relieved, is I've asked my accountant for a quick 2023 estimate. So I pay my taxes every quarter as the good business owner that I am, but these are estimates. There's always some kind of reconciliation come tax time, which is usually in the beginning of the following year. Well, this year I got blindsided with a pretty big tax bill from 2022. We had some miscalculations. I, if you recall, was working at CNET and running my business between the W-2 and the 1099. Things got hairy. I owed more money than I thought. So 2023 started out kind of crummy with that bill. And to avoid that, I reached out to my accountant actually in November. And I was like, we want, we should figure this out now. Because if if I owe again what I owed in 2022, I want to know sooner than later so I can start planning for that. And, And we've done that and it's been a total weight lifted. Third and last is identifying a potential mentor. You know, I've had a lot of great mentors throughout my career and I think I'm ready to invest in some more professional support, someone who can look at my 15 years of building this business and tell me what could be potentially next, finding a way to align what I do next with who I am, where I am in my life. I have found that many of the people that I respect and admire, they themselves either have business coaches or leadership coaches. Earlier this year, I worked with a speech coach. You know, I had some great keynotes this fall and I'll be giving more in the new year. It's a big goal of mine. I really wanted to be extra ready for it and and to approach it a little bit more creatively, bring in some humor. It wasn't going to be this traditional PowerPoint thing. I'm a big believer in investing in other people to help you grow. And to that end, if you'd like me to be your guide and provide you with the strategies and connections to help you grow your brand in the new year because you want to get more media, more podcasting experience, growth in your newsletter, growth in your podcast, more speaking opportunities, showing up on social media in a strategic way, I can help you. And not only me, but my network of experts that I bring to the mentorship program. I'm closing the application tonight. So if you want to learn more and apply and also get my bonuses, 
I have the link in our show notes. So I'll be sending out an email today with a reminder of where to sign up. If you're subscribed to my email list, you will get that. But this is it. I need to close it down because we got to start getting into more planning mode for the new year. We kick things off in mid-January. So that's how I'm showing up for myself. And I think all of us can show up better for ourselves in December so I can start the new year with less stress and knowing that I've already accomplished a lot on my to-do list. Quick announcement for my LA audience. Come hang with me on Monday, December 18th. I'll be at Zibby's Bookshop with friend and fellow author Tara Schuster. She wrote the wildly popular books, Buy Yourself the Effing Lilies and Glow in the Effing Dark. This is my final book event this year and it's a totally free one, but you need to reserve. So I'll put that link in our show notes. I hope to see you. All right, let's go to the mailbag. Georgia Lee Hussey, welcome back to Ask Farnoosh and So Money. Happy end of the year. What is this time usually for you? Like, what do you like to do this time of year to get yourself in a good place and ready for the new year? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, this is the busiest time of year for financial planners. We are in it deep right now, finishing Roth conversions and Oh. making charitable donations and doing year-end trading. And it's this is the um, the tight moment. So there's a lot of rest. There's a lot of hot baths. <laughs> there's a lot of, oh, I need to do all of my holiday shopping and planning way before um, this moment arrives. So, and a lot of like taking care of my team and, and making sure everyone has cookies and cake and coffee oh. and <laughs> whatever we need to keep the paperwork moving. <laughs> I get it. And well, you mentioned charitable giving. I kind of wanted to focus on that as we mm-hmm. kick off the questions. I, we're gonna, we have a whole bunch of mailbag questions. Actually, Allie wants to break up with her financial advisors. Oh, so I have talk some a little advice. bit about that and other questions about refinancing a home and HELOCs. But I do agree with you that this time of year, a lot of us, our heads are in the charitable giving mindset. And What's what has been always your philosophy around this? Especially these days, we're getting hit from like every direction. There are so many causes that are worthy of our attention and money. And of course, you go to the Whole Foods and they're like, "Would you like to donate? You know, round up your purchase to you know support Jude's Children's Hospital, St. Jude's." And it's like, no, I don't think this is the best way to do it. Yeah, (laughs) I should go go to stjudes.com and do it. Uh, yeah. But tell us a little bit about how you, the conversations you're having with clients around this and what what you think is ideal. Yeah, we are very focused on charitable giving and generosity in general. I, I like to sort of pull the frame back from philanthropy or charity to generosity because there's so many ways we can give. Like I'm currently applying to be on the board of an organization that I really believe in. And that is one way I can be generous. Uh Um, And with my skill set, that's probably more valuable, honestly, in some ways than a dollar and given what uh, some organizations might need. So I do like to think about um, giving as being about generosity. And when we think about the five areas of wealth, we think about time, money, relationships, well-being, and what is the fifth one? Uh, craft. Money? Mastery. We did say time and money. Okay. Time and money are the most obvious ones. <laughs> most of us say money and then we remember time, especially as middle, a middle-aged woman. I'm like, what time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's that? Um, right. So I like to think in those five categories, and but t- money is clearly the one we're focused on at year-end. 
So we, if anybody um, has been to our website, modernistfinancial.com, if you go to our generosity plan under About Us, I think it can be a good form to consider as you consider your own financial planning around generosity. And so we do a few things that I think are very um, helpful to create permission to give. Because I find that there's permission or there's anxiety or there's some kind of emotional connection with generosity that often can be ameliorated through structure. So one thing we do as a company is we give 3% of our revenue away. So that's kind of easy. Every month, I just we just put a little chunk of 3% aside in an account for us. And so now at the end of the year, we are sitting on, you know, after gifts throughout the year, $15,000, $20,000 that we know needs to go out. And we actually have a strategy for that as well. Um, we as a firm are very focused on impacting racial wealth inequality because financial planning and investment management is making racial wealth inequality worse through all the fabulous tax planning that I do, all the efficient investment management, all of it is basically giving folks who have access to wealth, which is disproportionately white people, um, more wealth. And so one of the things we are really focused on is that impact of racial wealth inequality. So we have then taken that big picture idea, which allows me to say no to a lot of things, also allows us to say yes um, in a structural manner. So we also, of our 3%, 1% of our revenue goes to an organization called Seeding Justice. They're what's called a community foundation. Um, I highly recommend that if you're interested in giving broadly in your area, Look at the community foundations around you because they are the uh, pivot point between nonprofits, government, and individual donors. And they often know the charitable giving landscape better than anyone because they give away such large amounts of money to the nonprofits. They know the best food bank organization, the best like scrappy pet organization, the like whatever you are particularly passionate about, they will know who's doing the work on the ground for that. So um, I think those are the, some of the high levels. Give a certain percentage of revenue or income or paycheck, whatever whatever it is, if it's half a percent. It's just start with something because then you have a little budget for yourself mm-hmm. and then choose a theme and kind of stick to it. I know it sounds hard, but I actually think it reduces anxiety when we're getting asks all the time. And then I like to, again, go to the experts as in all things. And community foundations are quite um, quite expert in your local nonprofit community. I personally focus on social justice nonprofit or community foundations. Seeding Justice is one, Liberty Hill in LA, Bread and Roses in Philadelphia. There's a long list of them that you can find if you just Google social justice community foundation. And they're movement builders. So I love that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. For the longest time, I dreaded buying bras. It was like shopping for jeans. Impossible. 
You want a bra that's sexy. You want a bra that's comfortable. You can't have both. Well, now you can, thanks to Third Love. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, the ick, the ugh, out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem or problem. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school. Get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made with premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with the code podcast15. The weather's getting warmer as I record. It's a nice 73 degrees on the East Coast. So finally, time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and fingers crossed hello to shorts and tees. And I need to update my wardrobe for the long haul. And you know, I don't want to spend a fortune. So luckily I found Quince. I'm honest. I've got a lineup of timeless pieces from Quince that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm talking premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karakul jewelry, and tons more. Best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. I have t-shirts from Quince, pajamas from Quince, my very chic and fashionable sister-in-law, Hannah, her whole closet is Quince. And people often stop us and ask, where did you get this? Don't tell me the price. And then when I do, they're shopping on Quince.com. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash so money for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so money to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so money. Did you know that I'm a podcast host and also a mind reader? Because I know that you want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising costs of inflation, to pay off your debt or your mortgage. You want to attack pretty much anything standing in the way of you and your financial freedom, right? Well, here's one solution, more knowledge. This podcast helps, I hope. And you can use Yahoo Finance, where you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need to help reach your definition of financial freedom. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, and I know because I worked there for many years, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, customizable charts, so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Yeah, having a strategy also enables it so that when someone is asking you to donate, you have you have a script. I, exactly. I really would like to, this is important. I think this is valuable. I've, you know, I've already committed to um, mm-hmm. my, my allocations this year. Um, I set exactly. goals every year and this is kind of, you know, how it's shaken out, but I'll consider it next year. I've always found too, that you're right. You know, giving money is one way to be helpful. And certainly that's what a lot of organizations want. That's the priority, but you can also give your time. You can mm-hmm. give your counsel as you are on yes. this board. I think mm-hmm. that's always, um, another way to reframe this idea of, 
of giving is more of generosity. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, that's important right now, especially. Lots of emotions crop up as we uh, think about this aspect of our financial planning. The last thing I'm going to say is from a practical financial planning perspective, I always like to ask our clients' CPAs to explain to the client what is the the number of cents they get and a benefit for every dollar they give. If you're not itemizing, it's probably zero um, because you the standard deduction has grown so much. Most people, many people don't itemize. If you do itemize, it's kind of it's helpful to say, oh, I'm gonna save 35 cents for every dollar I give. So my actual cost of giving is only 65 cents. So if you're in that situation, that can also be helpful as math. If you're thinking about making a large donation this year, if I'm making a $10,000 donation, I'm going to save $3,500 in taxes. So my little tax bucket doesn't have to be as big. And I might be able to be able to siphon a little bit out of my tax bucket and put it in my charity bucket. So that's another thing to consider. That's a good one. A good one. All right. Well, Allie, shifting gears a little bit to... Mm-hmm. Uh, her question in the mailbag came this week, and she needs some help breaking up with her financial advisor. Now, we've done episodes on this show in terms of the how to do that in a way that is, um, you know, doesn't feel uh, problematic. It's like very matter of fact. It's very cordial. How do you do it? I've done it. You know, you send a nice mm-hmm. email, you explain your case, and most advisors get it. I mean, there's not like any hard feelings. And as long as you're very honest about your reasons for for moving on, and it could be as simple as we need to allocate our resources differently, or we can do this now ourselves, or you know, thank right. you for getting this. Like in our case, it was our advisor was actually too good. <laughs> um, <laughs> where She got us to a place where we felt very capable of handling the money decisions ourselves. She filled a lot of gaps for us. She streamlined a ton. And at that point, we felt that what we were paying continuously at that point was, you know, one one percent or one and a half percent. We were just doing like these phone calls on the market, and I was like, I don't really want to be talking about the bond market for an hour. I don't care about that, and yeah. I don't think it's worth <laughs> paying thousands of dollars a year for it. And she got right. it. And in this case, though, with Allie, I think her question is more about the technical aspect of letting your advisor go. What, what is she carrying over from this relationship that she needs to know about that she's now going to handle herself, like her brokerage account or IRAs are under their management? So mm-hmm. she's curious, like, first of all, is her advisor going to sell her positions and then send her a check? That's not the case, but that's no. where she's confused. She doesn't know yeah. how the um, – what's the succession plan essentially mm-hmm. <laughs> in managing her money? Do they just take the name off? their name off her accounts and leave it as is. Are there any tax considerations? She says, my CFP has me in a bunch of individual stocks that I don't want to keep anymore um, because I'm just going to go towards indexing. And I just haven't pulled that trigger because of all mm. the gifts. Do I have this person do it from before I leave? Like, So more of the sort of like what happens to my investments yeah. apart from this relationship. Yeah. Well, I would encourage, these are pretty technical questions you're asking. And if you're, since you're working with a CFP, which I'm very happy to hear, um, they should actually be able to help you manage this. I've certainly parted ways with clients where I have basically structured all their accounts so that they could manage them themselves moving forward. So um, that's one option. And I would encourage it if you feel like you have a good relationship with this person. 
Um, technically, you basically, if you're at, let's say, a Schwab or a Fidelity or a Vanguard, wherever your money is getting managed, you can just call the company and say, hey, I'd like to remove my advisor as the advisor of record um, and change this into a retail account. Now, usually you should be able to do that yourself. If uh, it, I don't see any reason why your CFP should have to do that, but you should be able to call and say, I want this moved to the retail side. And then you just have basically a different login to get to your account and nothing should change. Um, I, you could fill out the paperwork so everything sells and before it moves, but I don't really see a reason to move unless it's at some very specialty custodian that doesn't have a retail investor um, platform, which is almost none of them at this point. So I would say that's the first thing. Um, second is if you're in individual stocks, there's likely to be some kind of tax consequences, positive or negative. Um, so I would, again, a CFP would be really helpful to help you think about what these tax implications are. Um, that, uh, so that's a, that's again, a, that or your CPA, if you have a good tax advisor, they should be able to help you look at that and make some decisions. Um, I would though consider these questions are, as I say, technical questions the CFP should be able to answer for you. So maybe maybe you've been using your CFP in a way that is not the most effective or your CFP doesn't have actually practice full comprehensive planning because investment management to me, is the least interesting part of the work we do for our clients. And actually, it's actually where we get the lowest returns. Mm -hmm. Even if we're getting 8 or 9% for a client, good tax planning can get them 45% in terms of re return. So maybe it's time to look for a retainer-based financial planner who has a much lower fee, is maybe a monthly fee, um, who can help weigh in on these kinds of tactical questions. If you feel comfortable managing the money yourself, there's lots of planners who do that. Um, I really like the XY planning network for finding folks like this. Um, because I, again, these are all technical questions that I would be answering for a client, but might take me several hours to figure out. Yeah. And if you've been listening to this podcast since October, you've been hearing the ads run for Facet. Have you heard mm -hmm. of Facet? Uh, no. It is a retainer-based financial advisory where, just like you said, they recognize that the least valuable aspect of – not least valuable, but where you should put – you know, like you shouldn't pay an advisor to uh, – Just you know, manage your money. Just manage your money, your investments, when the robots can do it just as well, if not mm -hmm. better. You really need that human touch to kind of like mm -hmm. work through these complexities and, you know, do these – Where you should contribute. Yeah. yeah. Um, that disruption is happening where the, mm -hmm. the models are changing, the adv financial advisor models are changing, but like not fast enough. I'm like, how are we mm. still working in a system where people are paying one and a half percent of AUM and then still having these questions? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good question. I mean, there's certainly, it's way better than it was 10 years ago when I yeah. was really starting to work in the in the I mean I've been in the business 15 years now but I mean there was nothing 15 years ago 10 years ago there was a little talk of this 5 years ago I'm like oh I can actually refer to people I can trust in for clients or prospects who are not a good fit for us um so there's definitely more options but we have a long way to go to unseat the deeply problematic business models that are ingrained in financial the financial industry here, here. All right. Um, which is why I like having you on because you are a CFP. You are you. You would you. You could give like a biased response here, but you don't. You're very no. very honest. And I, 
Now, also, our client base is very high net worth. So I'm managing three to $10 million portfolios. I would not recommend you do that on your own um, because index funds are not going to really do it. And then people start to freeze up at certain levels of wealth um, and start making very emotional choices. We all do it. But I think, Mm. anyway, things get more complicated as wealth grows. More money, Uh, more problems. Exactly. (laughs) Moving on to real estate. We have two two other questions here in the mailbag pertaining to aspects of home ownership. This person will keep her name anonymous. Um, she's going through something in her life, and I don't want her to be outed. But she, um, in 2019, bought a home with her partner, and it was 2019, so they got a three and a half percent rate on a 30 year mm-hmm. fixed mortgage, and the loan was about two hundred and five thousand dollars. Since then, the couple has divorced. It was finalized earlier this year. And as a result of the divorce, this listener is giving her ex-partner, uh, the agreement was that she she's going to pay him the equity of what the home is now worth, which she says is more than $100,000. She's trying to move the mortgage away from her and her ex's name to just her name. Um, but she's getting horrible news that she's going to have to refinance at a new loan rate of 8%. And that's how she would, you know, it's a, she, she wants to do a cash out refi, I, I suppose. And the rate is 8%. Uh, is there anything that she can do alternatively? She's trying to keep her kids in the house and not be in terrible debt. She's pleading with the mortgage company. She has an over 800 credit score, good income, makes regular payments. Um, I would go back to the X. <laughs> yeah. And talk, talk it through and say, this is... Bad timing, man. Um, yeah. Can we revisit this? Or I can make give you monthly payments, not this 100K lump sum. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is a really hard one and it depends on your mortgage company. Um, I will say, I think there's a couple options. I like your idea of almost a private mortgage with the X, where, yeah. which I don't know, private mortgages are becoming much more um, popular right now. We certainly are seeing a lot of them where somebody other than a bank holds the loan, they loan you the money, and then you pay them the interest and the principal. And it allows somebody who wants a good steady return to get it. Um, And you can set it up all legally and with a third party administering the the payments. I would wonder if there's somebody in her life that is willing to do that, uh, because really she's looking for what, $50,000 of the $100,000 of increased equity that she needs to pay out. Uh, the numbers are a little soft to me, but I think I think I would focus on what how to get to that fifty thousand without touching this mortgage. Um, or can your lawyer help you with a document that says that you're no longer liable on this mortgage? Can you? Is there some way to let her keep this loan and also pay her ex out and protect her from future liability and protect her ex because her ex probably is going to want. Um, protection because they're, if their name is on the mortgage, then they are also liable if for some reason she stops paying. So right. I think thinking about it from their perspective also can help maybe make a deal that would support them both. It is uncommon though for traditional mortgages to allow you to shift a mortgage from two people's name to one person's name. It's just one of the risks of buying a property with somebody else. It's also why a lot of people don't get divorced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we're going to see a parallel of like fewer divorces as 
couples locked in at 3% rate. <laughs> people aren't moving, people aren't divorcing, people, you know, yeah. because that is real money. That is a yeah. huge financial burden. I'm sorry we don't have a, a cleaner solution for you, uh, my friend, but I think it is in both your and your partner's best interest to keep the kids in the home if that means stability for them. And mm-hmm. if if you anchor this decision around that, yeah, I hope that both sides will come to a more amenable plan other than you got to give me this money. Like you feel like you just have no other options. It's $50,000 we're talking about. Yeah. Right. So what, how can you come up with 50? I know you want to get the name off the mortgage too. So that'll have to be part of the plan as well. But in, right. the, mean, in the meantime, how can you, uh, how can you satisfy this $50,000 obligation? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Maybe there's a HELOC. It's too high an interest rate, but it allows you liquidity. Yeah. Maybe there's an agreement to say, okay, we're going to do, I'm going to take a HELOC, get you the money. And then in two years, we're going to have this agreement between the two of us that I'm going to try and refinance again, where interest rates might've come back down to five and a half or six percent, six and a half percent, which is a, is a big difference to age. <laughs> um, so I would, or you might at that point have decided you want to move. You never know. I mean, things, lives change, especially in transition. So you're just trying to buy yourself some time to let the interest rate market calm down, I think. Yeah. And you just got divorced. Can you give yourself yeah. some space and time before you make another big decision, which is deciding on what to do with your house? Let's give ourselves some grace. You brought up the HELOC. Kim's question, and she's going to round us out here on the episode, she's considering either a HELOC or a home equity loan to cover a portion of a home renovation, about $30,000. What's our advice? Well, I actually got a HELOC there earlier this year, not because I was planning any home renos, but because I just wanted to have, it was that healthy state of panic, honestly, in me where I was like, (laughs) I had just finished paying an enormous surprise tax bill. I just paid off some business loan debt and my savings was like not looking so hot. And I knew it was going to, you know, I'm going to build it up again this year. And I did. But in the meantime, I was like, if God forbid something else, another shoe drops, like I get a huge medical expense or... I don't want to pull from savings. I'm I'm going to pull from this HELOC. I had built a lot of equity in our home and rates weren't fantastic. I, I wish I'd done it maybe two years ago, but I felt it was still better than pulling out a credit card and paying for something. Right. So we haven't touched it. And it's my emergency only, you know, in an emergency break open glass, last, yep. it, last resort. So for $30,000, I feel like a HELOC is probably your best that or HELOC or, or home equity loan mm-hmm. in terms of interest rate. There's really not a lot yeah. in that in that amount of money that's going to be cheaper. Like a personal loan is going to no. be more. Yep. Um, no, I would not. Credit card, so. forget it. Well, I think there's a few considerations. So a HELOC or an equity loan is probably great. We're seeing our credit unions around here are having some good teaser rates that are basically set to LIBOR or LIBOR plus 0.5. So I mean, I'm seeing 5% teaser rates for the first year at interest only, which allows you some space to to get the renovation done and not have as much of a cash flow issue. Um, but then I think it's really important if, you're, if your total mortgage value is under the $750,000 max, your interest on your HELOC is also tax deductible. Mm-hmm. So if you, again, I'm go back to these numbers. If I'm paying, let's say 10% on the HELOC, I'm just going to use this for easy numbers. I'm paying 10% on a HELOC, my tax effective tax rate is 70 is 35%, then I'm really only paying seven and a half percent on the right. C-lock. So it's 
and apply that math to smaller numbers and it and that interest rate doesn't seem that bad. And I think a HELOC works better in this case, unless you've already gotten a bill come due and you want to yeah. start making the payments. Because here's the thing, I mean, if you're at the beginning of this construction project, you're getting just maybe an estimate. You might mm-hmm. realize halfway through you don't need the other work done. Like why deplete the the, the loan? Like why get a loan? The loan is going to be due immediately. Yes, That's exactly. The HELOC, right. you use like a credit card, you use as you need it and you yep. pay um, you know, in those increments. So we were also in that place of like, do we do the loan? No, that doesn't make any sense. Like we're not using this yeah. money yet. So yeah. the HELOC is probably the way to go in your case. And um, yeah, I mean, if it's a home renovation, if you're doing your bathroom or kitchen, that's the best. Those are the best ones to start with <laughs> or it's your roof. True. And also look at the um, Biden uh, elect um, tax credits for environmentally beneficial improvements. They're wildly positive. So don't forget those. Your CPA should be able to help you with those as well. Georgia Lee Hussey, thank you so much. It's been that you're, oh. I think you're going to be one of our last Ask Farnooshes of the year, uh, fresh oh. Ask Farnoosh. We're going to do these really cool um, year in review episodes starting in a, in a week or two. So I'm um, grateful for all of your generosity coming on our mm-hmm. show this oh. year and, and all of the years and, and more to come in, in the new year, no doubt. Yes. Well, it's always a pleasure, Farnoosh. And may everyone have a wonderful new year and please rest and care for each other. Thanks so much, everybody. I hope your weekend is so money. Hosting the So Money podcast for almost 10 years, I've been learning a lot about how to best serve you outside the show. I've begun to offer pop-up workshops and a So Money members club. And with each new line of business, a lot goes on behind every transaction. Stripe helps simplify and ease payments with tap to pay on iPhone, which helps me grow revenue and reach through accepting more in-person contactless payments when I'm out in real life promoting my programs. Tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe give me the ability to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup and no additional hardware required. And it's not just ideal for me. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe help businesses of all sizes accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. Whether your customers want to use their card, Apple Pay, or other digital wallet, now you can accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.